Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Back-to-back wins edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. And Domingue got that with traffic in front of the net. Another shot. Domingue made one save. Loose puck. Oh, another spectacular save. Now they score. Morgan Frost has goals in back-to-back games. His fifth of the year after two sensational saves by Louis Domingue. It's one of the Flyers. One knee gets it back to the line. Yandel shot. He scores. Keith Yandel from the left point. Dead hand eyes. And if it's Yandel, it's his second of the year and first in 27 games. The same line does it for the Flyers. It's 2 zip. Middle point shot. They score. Waving at that in front was Noah Case. We'll see if he got a piece of it. Kroberov shot from the blue line. I think it's going to be the second goal of the game for Noah Case. And Philadelphia takes the 3-0 lead. Here's Kevin Hayes. Got the center ice red line. With an empty net. Konechny shoots. He scores! Travis Konechny puts it into the empty goal to make it 4-1. And welcome back to Flyers Daily as they get a second straight win, this time over the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got the 6-3 win over Montreal the other night. Then last night, or yesterday afternoon, a 4-1 win over the Pens. And the Flyers will now head to Chicago to take on the Blackhawks tonight. Left right after the game yesterday. Back-to-back games. We'll see if we see Felix Sandstrom tonight after a 37 save on 38 shots effort from Martin Jones. Let's get right into the business. Bill Meltzer going to join us in a minute, but I had a chance to catch up with the Flyers goaltender Martin Jones after the game, and here's that conversation. We're with Martin Jones post-game. Ho-hum, 37 save win. Feel pretty good? Yeah, it was good. It was a great win. Um, It's obviously a good team. I thought we were really solid, especially in the third period, so um, good step forward for us. You look like you're, you're reading plays very well right now you're in the middle of that you're taking stuff in the logo do you feel like your game is really dialed in yeah I think that's a good sign when you're taking a lot of pucks in the body but um my focus has just been to try and to play the game there's obviously a lot of uh technical things that you're working out throughout the year um but for me this last stretch I'm trying to just focus on playing the game so so I think you're, you're exactly right there how much of the technical part of your game is playing a little deeper in your net having to move a little bit less in travel distance and how much has that helped you uh, it's helped. Um, it's something I kind of uh, got away from, I think, the last few years, and um, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable in the net. And um, you know, hopefully, you know, it's been a tough stretch, but um, you know, hopefully, it can start translating to more wins here. You got a lot of youth in front of you, and a lot of D, and just on the team in general, five man unit defense. Is there any different approach for you when dealing with that? Try to be communicative a little bit more. Yeah, obviously you want to be talking, especially the young guys, and um, making sure you're helping each other out. Um, but my preparation tries to stay the same each game, and um, I, I got to focus on what I'm doing out there. Last thing for you, what you talked about, something you got away from in San Jose, it's tough when there's not a lot of structure and you can get away from those things. When did you know that part of your game was kind of clicking back into gear? Um, I think it has a, a lot of a lot of this year. Um, you know, we haven't always gotten the best results, obviously, but um, that's been one part of my game that I think I've been a lot more comfortable with this year. Real good team effort today. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Martin Jones' game looks very sharp right now, very dialed in. And uh, as he alluded to, when you see a lot of pucks hitting the goaltender and the mass of the body in the logo, that's because he's in the right spot. He's read the play right, and he's gotten to the spot. Seen a lot of that out of Martin Jones lately. And the good news is 
that when that happens, it also prevents rebounds and second-chance opportunities for the opposition as well. So uh, good game for Martin Jones, good win for the Flyers. They'll try and get another win coming up tonight and win three straight when they visit Chicago to take on the Blackhawks. But it is Monday, and Monday's here on Flyers Daily. We have Mondays with Meltzer. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And Bill Meltzer joins us now. Bill, how we doing? I am doing well, Jason. How about you? It's rare that we're coming off back-to-back wins in the calendar year 2022. <laughs> Feels kind of good. It, yeah, it sure does. Uh, you know, there, there's uh, we we were joking around the press box today that uh, you know there there's a there's a segment within the fan base. They're going to complain, you know. They're going to complain if you win, if you beat Pittsburgh, and they're going to play complain if you lose. So yeah. you know. So, but it, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, any any time the Flyers beat Pittsburgh, you know, for it, it, I mean, it, it feels pretty good for the team, and you know, and and they're they've been playing better in a lot of games. There there have been certain games that have certainly been an exception, but uh, we we've talked any number of times about finishing up the right way and feeling a little better about themselves heading into the off season. You know, with uh, three games left in, in Chicago and Winnipeg and the, the finale at home against Ottawa over, over the course of this week, you know, there's an opportunity for some of the young guys who've been standing out lately to, to keep taking further steps and for the team to feel a little bit better. I mean, listen, they're going to they're gonna pick top five, top six at worst regardless. So, yeah, you know, that's just uh, just to try to just play, play them the right way if you can and, you know, let the chips fall wherever they will. Bill, this was a game against Pittsburgh where I, I think it's one of those ones that while you're playing out the string is pretty easy to get up for for a bunch of reasons. One, because it's Pittsburgh and, you know, the guys that they field out there with Crosby and Malkin and Latang and, and that whole group, Jeff Carter. And then the other element of it is you can play a little bit of spoiler and try and send them into the wild card. And you have all those elements, but then you have these games coming up, like you mentioned, tonight in Chicago, Wednesday in Winnipeg and Friday in Ottawa, all teams that'll be lottery bound teams and are having are not going to the postseason um do you worry that there could be a drop off in those three games because of that human nature element here of there's really not much to get up for against these three yeah poten- potentially yeah um but i mean listen the, i mean the flyers obviously can't take anybody lightly look yeah. you know you look, look at where the the records are um you know but the the flyers did a lot of good things playing a montreal team that is also not very good at all and they played better against a better team, you know, against uh, the Penguins. So, you know, if, if the Flyers can play a similar kind of game uh, the next couple to how they how they played against the Penguins, if if they can manage to do that, then that's you know what what you what you're hoping to do. Um, but yeah, there is there's always a possibility of some kind of sloppy games over the final week. I mean, it's yeah. uh, you know that that's uh, that's pretty normal. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, one of the elements that I really liked in the Montreal game and the Pittsburgh game was they got out to a first period lead and they built on it. <laughs> you know, that's just not something we second periods have been a, a huge, huge struggle this year. Uh, but they built on it in both games. And it just seemed like it was more a continuation of the first period as opposed to a different hockey game. It, it really did. Um, you know, as you said, second periods have just been and it's been regardless of how the first period has been. Yeah. Um, you know, second periods have just been quite often just just awful, and they've they've lost a lot of games in second periods. Um, you know, just as you said, it was just continuing to do a lot of things they did in the first period. Um, you know, the the lines that were standing out in the first period kept you know kept playing well. 
Uh, Martin Jones kept making saves when they needed him to. And, uh, you know, and, and also, I mean, the Flyers in these last couple of games, they've dressed three defensemen with, uh, you know, not just rookies, but virtually no NHL experience. Under 15 games experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, Adder has the most NHL experience coming going into yeah. the game and stuff. Pittsburgh. And I, I thought I thought in both games that, uh, you know, they quitted themselves pretty well, um, playing about 17 or something minutes a night. And, you know, which means, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of burden on Provorov and Sanheim, which you'd expect. But, uh, you know, those two did what they were supposed to do and being your top two guys on the blue line on separate pairs. And the, the rookies stepped up and looked pretty good, too. So that, uh, you know, that was that was a nice sign. I mean, you know, and one of those rookies isn't even Cam York, who's, you know, done for the year. Yeah, and we know that he had looked good in, in certain yeah. pronounced stretches this year as well. Bill, let, let's look at a couple individual players, but let's start with the crease out because you mentioned Martin Jones, and he joined before – he was our. I played the interview from after the game with him before you joined in this episode, and to me, just watching Martin, and I asked him about it, was you know moving back in his net and the difference that has made. And he said that's something I got away from in San Jose, and we know the lack of structure there, and you can over start to overplay, you know, opportunities and your reads affected by that, and you take more ice. And he just looks like a guy that's reading the play extremely well right now. A lot of saves he's making into his torso and giving up no rebounds. And he's in the right spot. His game looks as dialed in right now as it has in four years by my eyes. I didn't watch a ton of him in San Jose, but I saw enough to know that he was a little all over the place and that wasn't suiting his game. Dilly moved him back, and, boy, he's looked really strong. He has. Uh, as you said, pucks are hitting him in the logo. Um, mm-hmm. Good economy of motion, tracking the pucks well. Yep. You know, he's um he's giving himself a chance. Oh, yeah, for rebound control too has been been quite good. Um, you know, and it's uh you know, he he's he, I mean, he's more or less done that all season. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes particularly when you're in the backup role, you have a couple of games that uh, go a little sideways whether whether it's the goaltending or whether it's the play in front and those can those can pull numbers down in a hurry. You know, inflate the goals against average, deflate the save percentage, and you don't have the minutes necessarily to you know to pull those back up again. Um, but I mean, I, I think I mean honestly, I think the goaltending overall the season, whether it's been Carter Hart or whether it's been Martin Jones or in the small sample size, whether either whether it's been Felix Sandstrom, for the most part, the goaltending has not really been an issue this year. So. Um, you know, there are going to be some interesting decisions coming up as to whether the Flyers attempt to bring Martin Jones back this offseason. Um, I kind of think there's a decent chance they may. Yeah, me too. We'll see. We'll see how that we'll see how that plays out. I, and part of it, I think, is also Carter Hart's. You know, he's never had a major injury, thankfully, but he's had he's missed time every year in his career so far. And I don't yeah. know if they feel comfortable going into another going into next season. Where if Hart goes down for a period of time, whether it's Sandstrom or whether it's somebody else unproven, you know he becomes your become your number one guy for a period of time. So I, I think they're going to go the veteran route, and that'll really be up to Martin Jones as to whether he resigns or not. But I think the effort is going to be there to try to extend him. I do. I do. I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a couple opportunities maybe pending. You know what goes on in Buffalo for a starting job or Ottawa, something like that. But. Um, if he wants to remain in the role that he's in, I mean, he wants to start, but if that opportunity is not there, then th- that to me seems like a, a real good solution because he's fit in, you know, with the group, with the team, 
the history with Dilly that's there as well, I think plays a part in it. Um, so we'll see about that. Let, let's work our way out to the blue line now because I want to talk about Ronnie Adder because he had that dash four and it was like, oh boy, this is, he had some rough games, but really the rough games have been few and far between, Bill. And in the last four games in particular, you're seeing elements of his game that you go, this guy's an NHL player. He may be a little raw still and he may need some time in the AHL next year, but he's got an NHL skill set. There's no doubt about that. Sure. Uh, I mean, we'll start with we'll start with the offensive side of it, just because he scored scored a goal the other day that was a big time goal. I mean, that was a that was a gorgeous sniper's goal. You know, that was a perfect, perfect, perfect shot. Campbell couldn't believe it went in. He he yeah. was even shaded toward the short side. And he's like, "How did that guy beat me from there with that shot? That was a beauty, just a beauty. Perfect, perfectly placed shot." Yeah. And uh, the other thing too is that uh, you know he was always known as a fairly physical defenseman, but but early on he was lunging with a stick a lot and getting beaten. Yeah, I, I think he's adjusted to that, and he's uh, you know, using his body, and he's got a he's a big frame guy, so he has you know he has to use that uh, to his advantage, and he's done it a lot better, I think, in in a lot of recent games. Um, you know, he's he's moved the puck fairly well. And listen, he's still going to make his mistakes. There's still going to be times when he's going to be a little over aggressive. Yep. where he gets caught on the other side of the puck. I mean, it's going to happen. But just that he he withstood, he said that, you know, the, the minus four game in his first game. And then there have been another, you know, a, a couple other games that have been a little rough for him. But he's getting better and better and better as, as it's gone along. It's, and whether he's going to be a full-time NHL player or not, well, we'll see over, you know, we'll see them, uh, you know, when training camp rolls around and how, how all that plays out. But he does look like a guy who's going to stick in the NHL, um, you know, potentially. I also, I also think, by the way, Jason, that it's actually helped him a little bit to move him off of the power play. He, he, he came in, he came in right away getting power play time, and that's that's a lot of pressure on a young yeah. player. I think he can just focus on his game, you know, with with a little fewer minutes, and I think that's helped him. Truthfully, moving him up to play with Ivan Provorov has certainly helped him. Um, playing playing in the third pairing, which is struggled pretty much in most combinations yeah you know, I, I think that uh you know so he's he's been putting i think a little more position to succeed and he's settling in nicely yeah he had a real nice pass to connect me to spring up on a breakaway yeah. the one game too i mean he's got some offensive instincts i just get the sense that he's kind of a really he's one of those guys that's a really good athlete too yeah, like he's just yeah, got athletic. Sure. You can see his athletic ability in the way he plays the game too uh, let, let's go to a guy that for my money, Bill, I don't know that we've gotten any more knowledge on a player than we've gotten on this player this season, even though it's been a sideways season and there's been struggles across the board. But I don't know that the upside has been shown more for a player than Travis Sanheim this season. Because, yeah. again, even last night, he's jumping up in the play and he's creating so many problems and he's using his legs so appropriately yeah. and his skill set so appropriately now he looks like he's on a rocket ship ready to take off. And yeah. Yeah. The minutes sure. too, right? I mean, 29 minutes the other night. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're seeing him also taking on a little bit of a, a leadership role. With so many young players there, yep. he, he, he's, he's embracing that. And uh, really, he's been consistently really good. I think going back to when the coaching change happened. You, yeah, you kind of use that as, yeah, you use that as kind of, you know, the, the dividing line of the season, he's been outstanding overall yeah. since then. Um, both sides of the puck, as you said, using his feet well, 
using his defensive stick well. And, um, you know, listen, he's, he's never going to be a crusher. He's never going to be mean per se, but he, even a little bit of that too, even, you know, just, just, just the level he's competing at and, and um, the level of confidence he's playing with on, on both sides of the puck, whether the team has been winning or whether they've been losing, you know, a lot more losing than winning, unfortunately, but he's, but he's done the right things. He's played well. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a really big off season because he's a year from being an unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. and you don't want to go into next year with that unresolved. And I, you know, that, that to me has to be resolved one way or another this summer. He certainly has value if you move him, but I think the Flyers need, need him long-term. So, you know, I, I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that settled where they're, they get him extended and you're not even, you know, it's not even worried about, okay, well, you're getting closer to trade deadline and you know, yeah. it's yeah. So I, I I'd, I'd like to see all that work out, but he's definitely been a, been a big, big plus this season and, and basically a shoe in for the Barry Ashby this year. I agree with you. Um, he could be getting some votes for as the team MVP, in my opinion, as well. The other thing with him is the, the amount of minutes hasn't overwhelmed him in any way. I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes, a lot of situations, and uh, he's just been a revelation of a player for me this year. Um, the way he's kind of handled things, I lo- and he's showing that he wants to be part of the solution, not you know to to make it real easy on the the management team to go. Okay, this guy, this is a solution player. This is not right. one that we have to consider. You know, maybe moving out of here. Let's get him extended and, and something that's fair and move forward. Uh, let's move up to the the offense, Bill, because Noah Cates with a two goal game. You're not supposed to come right out of college and have ten points in your first thirteen NHL games. Yeah. Yet Noah Cates does, and again, just two really smart plays in front of the net and two deflections that were similar but very difficult skilled plays to make. The way he deflected both of those pucks, one of them was off a stick deflect on the original shot as well. What have you seen out of Noah Cates and what's not the like? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, Cates has been, he's played on the third line. He's played on the fourth line. He's tried to play on the second line. He's killed penalties. I, I really like that, um, that Mike Yo rewarded him with some power play time yep. in, in Sunday's game. Even if he wouldn't have scored the, the deflection goal for his, his second of the game, he'd earned, he'd earned that time. Yep. And then, you know, he actually, you know, he, he, it was it was really nice to see the rewards. The attention to detail with uh, Cates is outstanding. Um, Coach's dream. You know, uh, the way the way he gets in on the on the forecheck, and he's not a fast guy, but he just takes really good roots. So he seems like he's always on the defenseman. Um, you know, second and third effort plays. Um, you you can see that he has he has some hands, and, and he's a, you know he's a pretty decent passer too. Um, Really, it was a lot of fun. The last two games, the Montreal game and the Pittsburgh game, seeing some chemistry building between Cates, uh, Morgan Frost, and Owen Tippett. And oh. that, that line on Sunday was really flying. They, they were really impressive in that game. Yeah, they were. And I, I, just, I just can't – every time I watch him play, I'm going, this guy's been coached so well and he's been so receptive to it. He just goes – like you said, he takes smart routes. Like you break down film with a guy, and go. Why are you going all the way around there? Why are you going around the net for that? No, go straight to it, you know. And he he does those things, and boy, he he's been a revelation. And you talked about those other two players, Tippett and Frost. Let's talk about them because there was a play didn't didn't go for a goal, even though Morgan did score in the game. But Morgan tries that full three sixty pass and puts yeah. it on the tape of Owen Tippett, and Tippett maybe 
should have just outweighed Deming just a little bit further. He got it off and maybe a little too early, and Deming made a great save, a left pad save on that. Um, but you see the creativity coming out in Morgan Frost. And I asked him after the first intermission, you know, about having that confidence when the puck is going in the net, and he fully scaled, admitted to it. He looks like he's starting to look like a different player and one that's starting to produce as well. Yeah, and it's not just the last couple of games. The only difference the last couple of games is now pucks are going in. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, I I take that all the way back to shortly before the Giroux trade. And he and he played he played wing in that game, but he was moved up to play with Giroux and Konechny. Mm. And he was making plays, playing playing with more confidence, trying some things. You know, a, a creative Frost is is the player you know at his best. Um, a lot of the other details in his game have gotten better too, uh, on the defensive side of the puck and in terms of winning more puck battles. What I really liked in the Pittsburgh game, uh, as you said, there was that great pass to Tippett, the goal that he scored, a, a couple of other plays too. Uh, there was one where um, uh, where Doming was kind of caught out of his net and he, he got back in, but I mean, Frost uh, jumped on the puck on the sidewall and threw it right at the net. Right. Yeah. Um, just, just the, just the awareness of being the first on the puck there and trying something, um, you know, that I, I liked seeing that he won um, a couple of faceoffs that ended up resulting in goals ultimately. And he won, I, th- I think he seven faceoff wins, eight faceoff losses. So it was an average kind of day on the dot. But on the other hand, two two of the ones he won in the offensive zone ended up for goals, ultimately. And one of his faceoff wins was in the right circle, which is his weak side, with Jeff Carter on his strong side. And Frost, Frost beat him on that one. And that yeah. you know that's the guy who on the in the right dot owns that dot. So that uh, that that was kind of nice to see too. Um, just uh, just his play in transition. Just uh, you know. Going to the net now, I think that the one thing that has not totally come back from, from Frost since the surgery has been shooting from some distance. Um, I, I Maybe over the summer, he'll work on that, and that'll come back next year because he's he's a guy who doesn't have to score at around the net. He's a guy who can score from, you know, from a little bit at, a little bit out just, just because he's a deceptive release. He can use defensemen as a screen and that kind of thing. But I mean, the the other parts of his game are back, and his overall game uh, has improved. And talk, you know, just just to get back again to, you know, the way the way that that he and Kate and Tippett complement one another. I mean, there there's a lot of potential with that line, not just for the last week of the season, but maybe it's a line moving forward. Yeah, the the other thing, Bill, like I look at those three players in that line, and I look at Bobby Brink, and like we see it all across the league. We see these young players that come in. They play the game differently because they grew up. It's I call it the YouTube generation, right? Yeah. They play the game with more creativity. They play the game according to almost a different set of rules because they grew up playing under a different set of rules. So there's more creativity. There's more, you know, trying things, experimental and creative plays. Then you see and you know, kind of our the lumbering hockey of get in on four check and all of those things and. And we see it all over the league. And now I think we're finally starting to see it wear a Flyers jersey for the first time. Like even Konechny's a young player, but he's a pretty straightforward hockey player. But you see him now being a little more creative as well Mm -hmm. in the way he's curling with pucks and everything. 
and it's starting to look like the team has now caught up with the times in a little bit, in a way. I, I think so too. Um, you know, you're always going to have, as you said, your North South players, but yep. he, you know, just, uh, you know, I mean, you, you're not going to, you know, whatever, you're not going to get a Michigan goal every game or, or yeah. between the leg shots or whatever, but, but, but just sometimes, uh, sometimes that, that little, the little dangle, the little, you know, the little spin move to create a little space for yourself. A little flare. You know, yeah. You, you, you like to see it. you like to see a little bit of flair because that goes with confidence. Yep. And, uh, you know, you, you want to see your creative players be able to make creative plays. And then you're seeing some of the, uh, you know, some of the kids who have skill um, show a little bit of that skill. So that's uh, that's been a nice development to say late in the season. No doubt. It, it's fun to watch, too. And it feels like, OK, we're catching up with the rest of the league here. You know, like yeah. we see it on the highlights all the time, TNT and ESPN and NHL, whatever it is. But. We're not seeing that in our own experience watching the Flyers, and we're starting to see some of that. Bill, with, with the play of some of these younger players and the way you know a lot of these NCAA guys have kind of banged the door a little bit here and kind of grabbed the team a little bit and shaken it up in a way and in a lot of good ways, does, does that change Chuck Fletcher's approach in any way to this offseason? I always thought aggressive retool was very cute phrasing, but whatever. Didn't think it was necessarily possible unless – you know, a lot goes really in your favor. You find somebody to take some salary, all that stuff. But does this now cause Chuck Fletcher to go, you know what, going into next year and having these guys cut their teeth another year without going crazy this offseason makes a little bit more sense now. And then we, you know, we get a nice pick this year, get a nice pick next year in the 23 draft. And then we kind of really push in when we were even more capped you know, in a better cap situation. Yes. I mean, do you look at, is there a chance that he's assessing this that way? I mean, possibly, quite possibly so. Um, And you and I have discussed this in some previous podcasts where I think we're both in agreement. It's going to be very hard to do this as a one-year process. I think it's doable as a two-year process. I agree. Part of that, part of that would mean, you know, you, you might sit out the big free agents this year and you're creating a little bit of space. You're, you're seeing if some of these young players can handle a bigger role next year. And, with games and that mean something. With games that mean something, right, right. Because we're we're looking at you know, basically September baseball right now. And it, it's nice when the young players are stepping up in some of these games. It becomes a whole other thing when, you know, you're actually battling for, for a playoff spot and trying to sustain a certain level of play over the majority of an 82-game schedule, right? Yeah. So that's uh, – that that all has that all has yet to be proven, no matter what happens in the final week. But I I, I would personally I have no problem at all, you know, doing it in, in a couple of phases here and seeing what you have in some of these players and seeing if you can build around some of these guys as you go forward. And that that may be the most sensible strategy. Um, you know, now uh, you know I mean I, I understand all the other considerations too, right? If you're if you're once again, if you're a bubble team or you miss the playoffs again in a year, or you're, you know, are you concerned that it's three straight years out of the playoffs and you, you know, you want to sell tickets and then all the rest of that too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of considerations that go into it. And, and one of which is, okay, well, you know, maybe, a, maybe bringing in a big name guy would, would help accelerate it for some of these young players too. Um, I, I did think it was interesting in that same, same line of thinking uh, where, uh, I think it was I think it was Charlie O'Connor asked Mike Yo before Sunday's game 
you know, about about his thought process behind putting the Cades Frost Tippett line together. Because for a large part of the season, when the young players come up, they put them with veterans. And, and he said that, you know, when you have skilled young players, you know, young players in general, there might be a tendency to defer to some of the veterans. Whereas when you have three young players that are kind of on equal footing, uh, not, not, you know, not just chemistry-wise, but they function together, you know, where a guy might be a little more assertive. And that's part of, that's really been some of the thinking. So, you know, maybe if you let some of these young players continue in, continue in that vein and see if they can they can grow into it, you know, a year down the line, um, you know, that, that, uh, that, that might be a way you can do it. And then the other part, too, is there are always bargains that are out there. Now, unfortunately, some of the, you know, like like uh, before the trade, before he got before he got injured, whatever. Derek Broussard was a nice economy signing for a year. Yeah, you know, and he end, you know he ended up getting hurt, missing a lot of time. But early in the season, when they were doing well, he was he was helping the team. If you if you can maybe add, you know, not taking time away from young players, but just able to supplement them a little bit. You know, that way you're not tying yourself in anything long term, and you know that that might be a way to go too, where you can add. add a, couple of veterans to a mix, but still, you know, still the young players grow into larger roles. That might be a way of doing it too. So, I mean, there, there are different ways you can take this, but I have no problem whatsoever, you know, doing as, as you were saying. Yeah. And the thing is, is look, if there's a, if there's a, a really good hockey trade that's there for right. you, you can make sure. it, but you're not making moves out of desperation too, where, you know, you, you have an edict and everybody in the league knows you have it. And then you're in a, disadvantaged bargaining position to get deals done. And I mean, like, I mean, you look at guys like Gaudreau, I mean, he's plus 60. I mean, he is doing something Mario Lemieux, the last two players to do were Mario Lemieux, I think in 92, 91, 92 and Wayne Gretzky in like 86 have done at plus 60. I mean, you're talking about outlandish money that he's going to get. I mean, Kachuk too, for that matter. I don't know how they're going to resign both of those players out in Calgary. But wow, I mean, it's it's going to be a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of people are having big offensive years with goal scoring up. And let me ask you about that, Bill, because goal scoring is up and it's up pretty significantly this year. It would it, you know, there's there can, there's a litany of reasons. There's probably a little bit of a lot of things, but in your opinion, what's the biggest reason goal scoring is up so high? Well, the biggest reason is that power plays have taken a jump. But, you know, not, maybe not here, <laughs> not here. Yeah. The Flyers have had. The worst season in franchise history, gold today aside, you know, in, in power play. But, you know, it used to be if you're 20%, you're figuring your top third of the league. Well, right now, if you're 20%, you're actually slightly in the bottom half. That's crazy. You're about 18. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that's a big piece of it. There's so many more power play goals being scored. And, you know, uh, not that long ago, if you were 80%, it was the other way around, right? If you're 80% on the penalty kill, you're in the, the bottom so someone in the bottom half of the league. Now, if you're 80, percent you're top third. So it's uh, yeah. So that that's kind of that's caught up in that regard. Um, and I think, as you were saying, also where, you know, the the, the creativity element, right? The yeah. a little bit, of, a little guys who can just make these east-west plays, and or, or, or the spin moves and the you know some some of the things that uh, you know that that if you can pull them off and create a little space. You know, and, and not have to get into those grinded out games necessarily. You you can create something out of nothing sometimes, and and you know I think that's where 
that's where part of it comes comes into. Um, you know, so much of hockey, uh, uh, really, since since the Devils era, it was built around can you win two to one? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and and it was, it was Elliot Friedman's uh, podcast, and he was right. He's like so much today, especially this year, is you know, can can you win five to four? Yeah, and uh, you know, and and I don't know if that's gonna uh, that's gonna hold through the playoffs. I I think scoring will go down again in the playoffs. But I, but I do think in terms of regular season success, you have to be able to to keep up with the direction of where the league is going. And, uh, you know, I, I think that after years of scoring being low to modest to moderate, right, uh, I, I mean, scoring is up, and I don't think it's going to imminently drop again either. I mean, there's, it's always a game of adjusting and counter-adjusting. Yeah. So, you know, it's like nothing lasts forever, but I, but I do see scoring remaining high for – at least a few years to come and you have yeah. to be able to get to be able to deal with it. You have to be able to play that way. Yeah, absolutely. Bill, last thing for you. Um, a couple of years ago, the last time we played a full 82 was the 18, 19 season. If you can believe right. it, feel like yeah. an eternity ago. Why? Because it was, uh, but at the end of that season, Elaine Vigneault was hired a week after the season ended uh, that Scott Gordon was the interim, obviously after Dave Haxtall was let go. And he was not going to be retained. He was moved, back, they believe, back to Lehigh Valley. And they named Elaine Vigneault a week after the season. Any chance we get the naming of a head coach a week to 10 days after this season? I don't know if it'll be that. But here, I mean, I, I don't think it'll take that long. I don't know if it'll be in, in the first week. But I think they want to see who's out there, what coaches get fired, what coaches have options, and, yeah. you know, and, and – um, you know, and also, I mean, also depends on, on what, you know, what is really your, what is your roster plan, you yeah. know, going forward? If you're, you know, if you're not going into the so-called aggressive retool, you know, certain, certain guys might not be the right coach, yep. you know? It's going to be um, our first indication what direction they're leaning in. I, I, the guy they hire. No, definitely. I, and um, I mean, that that's going to be a huge step along those lines. Um, I, I think out of respect to the, the staff that's in place. Uh, I don't think that Chuck wants to leave guys twisting in the wind very long here. That's not fair to them. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, even though I don't expect decisions to be made a day after the season, as you sometimes see, uh, I, I don't think it's going to take terribly long just to decide, okay, you know, who's going to be let go, who's going to be offered an, another role potentially, you know, and, and, and kind of going from there. Um, you know, I I would not be shocked. I mean, I, I would not be shocked if Mike Yo was offered some kind of a role, whether it's an assistant coaching role or or something staying within the organization. You know, if there's not another immediate head coaching opportunity out there for him, because he really was put in a difficult spot, I mean, basically almost an impossible spot. Yeah. And you know, has he done a perfect job? No. Nobody could. Nobody could do a perfect job. And. You know, there are things I think that uh, as situations arose or whatever, maybe would have handled this or that differently. But, I, but I'll tell you where where I think he he's on the mark far more often than he's not. His player assessments are usually right on the mark as to what somebody's doing well, what they need to work on. And um, the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, he, he strikes me as a coach who's very much in his player's corner. Not that he has to be the smartest guy in the room every single day. Yeah. Right. 
And, and I think players respect that. So, you know, I, I would not be shocked if he stays on in, in some capacity, but by the same token, you know, when you're, when you're making changes and trying to implement the culture shift and, and all the rest of that too, I mean, and it could really go, it could really go either way. I'm expecting changes in various, you know, various aspects of the organization. Um, you know, whether, whether that's adding another development guy or, um, changing some scouts around, uh, particularly on the on, on the pro scouting side, um, you know, the, I it wouldn't shock me. But I, I think those changes will be implemented and phased in rather than just a big bloodletting and you you need you know then you announce a bunch of hires the next week. So. Yeah, I agree. But and you and you're right, Chuck's going to a guy that's above board and is going to want to allow his guys opportunities if they're not going to remain as well. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And yeah, you're right, Mike has done a great job of you know, those player assessments and, and verbalizing and communicating with the media by proxy, the fan base, you know, with very honest and straightforward talk. And I think players always like that too, because they know where they stand. I don't think there's any gray area with Mike Yo, and there can't be between a coach and a player cannot have that gray area. Good communicator for sure. Bill, this was awesome. As always, uh, final week of the season. Here we go. Uh, Flyers will be added tonight in Chicago, then uh, Wednesday in Winnipeg, and then they'll wrap it up Friday at Wells Fargo Center against the Ottawa Senators. Everybody, thanks for listening. Enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll break down Flyers and Blackhawks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers game.